What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, y'all. Before we get into the episode today, just wanted to let you know there are some audio issues. I didn't realize that the audio for the video we were showing was looping underneath what we were doing. It was muted in my headphones. So I've tried to clean it up as best I can. Just pretend that we are transmitting things in a uh, encrypted file or something. All right. I hope you enjoy. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed ask the hard questions, and more. Spectres, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with Sam as usual. Sam, how's it going, man? I'm doing fantastic. You know, we've got a lot of stuff that, that has released over the past week for In 7 Day, and I just can't wait to dive into it. I've had now a week or so to think about and digest what we've seen, and I think we're going to need even more than that, but we might as well go with what we know now. Yeah, so, okay, so we've got today, we are going to reveal to you everything we know, and we even got some new info just in the last few days, even though it's been a, a weekish since and seven day. So this is for everybody who wants to know everything about what's going on with Evan seven day and all the leaks and all the secret stuff that has come out. So Sam, let's get this started. Where do we start? So there are some key details that we need to address right away with this video. Uh, and this is almost certainly this video that was released almost certainly a mass relay. How do we know this? Well, number one, it says in plain wording down there at the bottom left, relay construction record. 
So clearly a mass relay. The architecture is also kind of a giveaway. It has those revolving rings that we saw so often from previous mass relays and in other games in the series. Uh, but interesting to note here, the architecture looks distinctly human, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, we, I'm getting a very human, and then we've got the coloring, which is very Cerberus. Yes, and we'll we'll dive into exactly how Cerberus might be involved. Uh, but you see the MR7 there on the on the mass relay. Well, those are Latin alphabet letters, which further inclines me to think that this is a human uh, vessel, if you want to call it that, a human a human structure. Uh, Mike Gamble, the project director on Mass Effect, has previously said because this is just a new version of that artwork. But it was released a while ago, and he previously said that this is not Mass Relay 7. But that does not correct when someone mentions... He didn't correct when someone mentioned it being just a relay that was being built. So he's just disputing the name Mass Relay 7. Right, and up on the screen right now you can see the tweet. Shinobi says, right, the concept art from the new game shows as much. This seems to be a human designation. MR7 equals Mass Relay 7. And Michael Gamble says, Derek would cry if saw this. Is that a, a camera flash? The humanity here. Have the real thing from Bioware 25, and this is where he's showing it, right? And uh, yes. Then he says so, Shinobi's also wrong in his speculation, though. He does say Shinobi's wrong in the speculation, but I think that refers to it being called Mass Relay Seven. Right. However, in a comment you know, under that thread, someone says. Well, where is this relay that's being constructed going to? And he says, well, that, that is an excellent question. So like it's not going, disputing that it's going, a relay. Right, it's a relay and it might be going somewhere. Like, well, I guess, I guess, well, you can, I guess you can parse that two different ways. Where does the relay send people to? But a relay can send people to any other relay, right? Correct. Or if they're building a second relay it could send them anywhere and and here's an interesting thought that i i, I had uh, uh considered after it was brought up to me by another mass effect content creator this could stand for mobile relay mobile relay right and where is it going if it's mobile right like where would you put the relay if you're able to move it around rather than and where would you send someone to... through the relay exactly and if you're able to move it around can can you even consider all of the mobilization uh, ramifications this could have for a military force. Yeah, you can transport yeah. immense amounts of vessels in an instant if you've moved the relay, similar to like an aircraft carrier. Right. If you've moved it anywhere, this is a force multiplier. Right. You keep it with the the bulk of your force, and now you have a a very very effective tool. Exactly. Then it doesn't matter how large your overall military is because you can transport one hundred percent of the power in zero seconds. That's crazy. Uh, so. An incredible force multiplier if it is a mobile relay, which Mike Gamble has not disputed. This and another thing to, to keep in mind about this video that we got on, on its seven day, it is official that it was considered an intercepted message, likely intercepted from the Alliance, because we see in the bottom left, SA Systems Alliance. So this is a message intercepted likely from the Alliance, and it's followed by dash 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 three one four. What does that mean? So 314, as a lot of Mass Effect uh, veteran players know, is an incredibly significant number because it could allude to the Relay 314 incident. That's what the Turians called the uh, the first contact war. Right. But if you're thinking in military terms, because this is a systems alliance uh, intercept, 314 could very well be a coded protocol message. 
sending a message to the rest of the alliance hey we have a 314 on our hands 314 over what could 314 allude to it could allude to we have first contact protocol so maybe this means the alliance is pretty sure they're making first contact with the new species yeah and like we've discussed before on the podcast the mass relays are only in specific sections across the galaxy there is a lot of uncharted space in the galaxy still there's a ton. I think the last that we had heard, now I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the lore says that Citadel Council space only accounts for 2%, 2% of the Milky Way. 98%. That means there could be 50 times more races out there that we've never seen. Oh, the possibilities are endless, and we are already aware that there are uh, species and races that are aware of Council space, but would prefer to not interact. And it's not that they're they're antagonistic or militaristic, they just don't want to be a part of it. Right. So first contact new race quite likely i want to zoom into a different part of the picture here because not only was a video released but in the in seven day blog the uh the developers bioware they released a screenshot high quality screenshot from that video and inside the video and the screenshot if you zoom in to the bottom left of the relay you can see one two three four five six seven numbered on it and then yes, as well, right. there's, there seems to be a spire or a metallic beam that's extending from the bottom underneath the number four. Right. Yeah, there's which, a few of these again, that protrude off the ship, like off the side you know, of the ship. As we've said, as, as so many people have said, this is fiction, nothing is a coincidence. So could it be that they are protruding from the four in an allusion to this is about Mass Effect 4? Mass Effect 4, why put it on that number? Why, why even have a number, number? Why even have a number system one, two, three, four, five, six on a ship like this, right? You would why like like that's bay number one, two, three. But why? It just seems silly, right? Like, Could, and and if the spire wasn't there, I'd be inclined to say that this is placeholder text, right? Right. right. Just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But the spire and the metallic beam seems to be a clear needle indicating something. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's like a Half Life three situation. They're going Mass Effect four, right? And then, you know, right. they're going like that. Right. Um, because depending on your uh, perspective and depending on if you rotate it around this thing, it could be under Mass Effect five under the five thing. It depends on your perspective, but it looks pretty clearly extending from four. So next up, there's a ship that a small, much, much smaller ship that appears to be flying toward and approaching this mass or mobile relay, whatever you want to call it. It's a relay regardless, but it seems to be approaching it and it has that characteristic blue Ezo contrast that's leaving behind it. It seems to be a four-engine ship. We don't know what ship it is. We do know that Normandy was a four-engine ship. We also know the Tempest was. And we also know that this uh, prototype-looking ship that that has appeared in previous in seven-day uh, marketing material is also a four-engine ship. So it's not exclusive, but it does appear to be an important ship because it's the only one that looks like it has that blue Ezocon trail, and it's going toward the relay. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it definitely has some uh, familiarity to it, we should say. Certainly. Yeah. And in that still image, of course, it's still, but in the video, you can see it approaching. And it's flying directly toward it, so I'm not sure why it is. No one knows why it is, but important nonetheless. Let's zoom into the details on the bottom left. I think this is where we get a lot, a lot of concrete 
uh, more concrete details. Number one, who is this Subnavark Soarazilian Jones? That name sounds inherently both Corian and human. Jones is quite the human name. And we've never seen a hyphenated name like this, not a cross-species hyphenated name. So I'm not quite sure what that means, but I think it definitely means that Corians and humans are involved in the next Mass Effect. And that this person could have adopted that name through marriage. They could be an adopted child of uh, a Corian human parent. Or it could be the Geth. Because if the Geth were going to adopt naming conventions, who would they, who would they adopt them from? And they would do it for ease of communication. That, yeah, that does make sense. They're trying to be more like everybody else in order to fit in a little bit. Exactly. And if it's, so. a, if it's a geth-to-geth communication, they'll just refer to themselves as whatever unit number they are right. or whatever platform they're on. Right. Uh, but if they're communicating with organics, it would make sense why they adopt organic-type names, uh, perhaps unique names that no other species holds, right? So hmm. that would make sense. Now, you also alerted me to this file name. What is the file name when you download that video? Yeah, um, I don't have it up on the screen right now. What uh, do you have? It is. It is. It's okay. It? So it's S A underscore intercept underscore Cetherium system underscore doc three fourteen. Cetherium system. We've never seen that system before. I double checked all my notes from the previous episodes of the Lorecast. We've never seen the Cetherium system. I don't know what it means. Could be a brand new location. I don't see why not. But Cetherium, interestingly, is also the Latin name of the genus of otters. Mm -hmm. So first contact with otters, maybe. Yeah, maybe this is the first. This is the 314. We, we contacted otter people. First contact protocol. We have engaged the space otters over. Space otter. <laughs> include them. <laughs> include them with the Citadel systems immediately. Keep we need some space otters. little paws off the crucible. <laughs> otters are super cute. Let's bring them on board. Um, all right. So... You mentioned the Cerberus colors. Yes, definitely Cerberus colors. And interesting to note, mm -hmm. I said this is a, there was a previous version of this artwork released as concept art for the next game. Now we have this newer iteration, but the background has changed. The ships surrounding the relay have changed. A lot of it has changed, except the structure itself is definitely still Cerberus colored. And there's a very real possibility of, is this after Mass Effect 3? And if it is, is, is Cerberus trying to get ahead of the ball by building back better, to quote a famous politician? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if, every, if everything's in ruins, then now it's just a race to see who can claim the most whatever, you know, like advantageous position across the galaxy. Of course, and we see that, you know, in our own history all the time, post-war reconstruction is a race. And it's often because there's a power vacuum, right? So. Right. This would make sense given what people very quickly unearthed from the cryptic audio file in the background of that video. Originally, it's very garbled, it's static, it's not exactly clear what's playing, but fans decoded that very quickly, and we have the audio here that we can play. Oh boy. Wow. We know that voice. So 
that's Liara. Again, again, Liara is present in Mass Effect marketing material, so we can take from that what we will. But interesting what she says, the council will be furious. They should know by now not to underestimate human defiance. One organization comes to mind when I think of human defiance, and that is Cerberus. Of course, I'd be inclined to think the the uh, Alliance. However, the Alliance isn't involved in whatever construction's going on down there, I don't think, because this is an Alliance intercepted message. What if, what if that ship is the Normandy, that's Liara on the Normandy, the Normandy just discovered this structure and is doing a flyby in order to investigate it, and she's sending out that message from the Normandy and the gigantic craft or one of these other vessels that Cerberus runs intercepted that message on the way out. I think that's a pretty viable uh, theory, especially considering that the Normandy, as we know, is a prototype stealth vessel. Mm -hmm. They could capture their own heat emissions and approach something like that relatively unseen because, as Joker uh, notes, windows are a structural weakness and not always included <laughs> on enemy starships. So surely they wouldn't try to approach the vessel without looking out the windows again. Well, they've done it before and it worked. So <laughs> it's quite possible. I also think it's quite possible that Liara didn't send out that message and the geth sounds that we hear during that mm -hmm. clearly in geth language that we cannot comprehend so i think it's more than likely that the geth intercepted that message mm. and as we know the geth love surveilling every other uh species in 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 the galaxy if they intercepted that message it would make sense why they would share that with alliance command as we know, intelligence agencies share that kind of thing bef uh, uh, all the time for cross-agency uh, coordination. So I think it's possible that Geth were surveilling Liara. They picked up that message. They shared it. Or perhaps Liara leaked it on purpose with her, perp with her being the shadow broker. So moving on, I want to hit this point really quick. There are some ships... On, of which appear to be arcs, Andromeda-style arcs in here. They look just like them. They have the four spines on the background, the solar sails. They look like they could be from Andromeda, while every other ship here looks like it's from the original trilogy. And I'm just purely looking at the technology of these ships, the freighters that are apparently working on this relay. So it raises some questions of Andromeda involvement in the next uh, in the next game. And the dev team has purposefully said in the past andromeda involvement is on the table so it's on the table i don't know to what extent and we anyone that claims to know to what extent is probably lying to you <laughs> so, <laughs> right right so it's 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 very interesting that they have andromeda style arcs here but if you're undertaking this massive construction effort like a relay obviously the workers need somewhere to be somewhere to live somewhere to eat if mm -hmm. they're not going to be on the planet below and if it's post mass effect 3 resources are very scarce so it would make sense to maybe put those workers who aren't on their shift into cryo on an arc uh, albeit a much smaller arc uh, because as we know the andromeda arcs were massive so right right that makes sense now so. there's there's one more detail here <laughs> uh -huh. that i'm I, you know if you've watched the video this far you're gonna be happy that you that you stuck around okay because this is a <laughs> kind of a big detail and it's a detail that didn't really come out until a few days after in seven day and we have an eagle-eyed twitter user to thank for this zane jace so they said do you see what i see and we can bring up the two images here on the screen basically what what we see here is a reflection it appears that this intercepted message may have been surveillance video taken from behind a glass window and we are seeing a reflection 
in there. And in the bottom left of the image, you might be able to see an N7 stripe reflected in the glass. Now, we could be looking too much into this. As one Reddit user, uh, you know, very hilariously told me it was copium to suggest it. However, I don't think it is because it's the same exact lens reflection that is apparent in the very beginning of Mass Effect 1 and Legendary Edition. When Shepard is staring out the glass and they're talking about Shepard, it's the very opening to the game and you see Shepard's N7 stripe reflected in the glass there. I don't think that's a coincidence. It looks exactly like it. And it's quite likely that they took that reflection, that lens flare, that uh, you know, visual effect process. Yeah, whatever that was. And, and transposed the exact same thing over top of this. I'm not sure what that means, but if you brighten the image enough, it very clearly looks like a reflection of an N7 stripe. So that doesn't necessarily... Keep going. That doesn't... What? Go ahead. Doesn't necessarily mean Shepard, but... Could be any N7 operative. It's an it's an indication N7 is still important. Okay, so you you're saying that, and you've said this before. Nothing in fiction is coincidental because the writers are doing something very intentional. They want you to make connections. They want you to see foreshadowing. They want you to be like, okay, this is all related to a specific character or whatever. It would be silly to think that they would show, the, in my opinion. This, which is directly related to Shepard specifically, and say, oh, no, like a few years from now when we get the game released. And then they say, oh, no, it was a different N7. It would be silly, in my opinion, but it wouldn't be the first time they've done it. If you remember marketing material from Mass Effect Andromeda, they teased the N7 a lot only for that N7 to be revealed as Alec Ryder. So but do you think they it, would do it, that again? Do you think I like, don't know do if they would do that again with the feeling that the, 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 the reactions everyone had to that game as opposed to the original trilogy, the hype they're building with characters like Liara with making it, you know, Cerberus, it's going to be in the Nokia, you know, these familiar references to again go, oh, we got you. It's a different N7. Like, right. I don't it think would, so. It would kind of feel like a, a, a very, uh, unnecessary red herring right. uh, for them to do that right and i don't think that they would because everything about this marketing material so far even dating back to that trailer we got two christmases ago everything has seemed to center on the fact that they want to evoke these these nostalgic memories these through images that were familiar yeah through things that were familiar they want to lean back into it and from a business perspective that might be the right way to go yeah right because and what Oh, Whether you like Andromeda or not, it was comparatively a flop yeah. to the original trilogy. Yeah, and it's been very heavily implied. I don't know if we have proof of this yet, that they are going to go with the destroy ending if this is a sequel, which it most likely is, and that means that Shepard might still be alive. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I want to dissect the timeline, but I think we're going to have to do that in a separate video. <laughs> All right. So tell you what. That's what we got for this video. We're going to do another video. And if you're listening on the audio podcast, this will be after the mid break. But coming up next, check out the next video. It's about everything that we know and what is confirmed. So not just N7 Day stuff, everything we know so far. So we're going to sum it all up for you. Don't go anywhere.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and uh, last week we had such an awesome guest that we didn't take a mid-break because we wanted to get in as many questions as we could. So we've got to catch up a little bit on our patrons. Uh, thank you for your patience, patrons. We really do appreciate you. And we have some new ones. Stephen L., Jackie E., and... That Specter J, welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for being here. And then Killian O also upgraded as well. Thanks for doing that. And we've got to shout out our Shepherd tier patrons: Kolkashins, Kira C, Lieutenant Tosino, Shep Valkyrian, That Specter J, our newest Shepherd, and William. Thank you to all of you guys. Um, if you are interested in checking out all the different things you can get, ad-free episodes, joining us on future episodes of the show, which, by the way, we're probably going to do this month on a different date because Thanksgiving here in the US it's a big holiday it hits right at the end of the week and I'm sure all of you guys will have turkey comas come Friday night which when we would normally be doing the episode so the suggestion right now is potentially we do it on Monday the 28th let us know what you think I think that works for us so hopefully it works for you guys as well it also goes back to the original date that we would do it or the original day of the week so let us know 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific on the 28th and um, go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast if you want to check out all the different things you can get, including shirts and all sorts of fun stuff. We also have one new review that came in on Apple Podcasts. My favorite Lorecast. This is from Matt on base in the U.S. If you enjoyed the Mass Effect games and enjoy the lore, but didn't memorize the entire backstory of every character, species and planet. This is a great show. <laughs> I think that means like most people, right? Robots and N7 go through topics that help fill in the gaps in the story and explain what created the conditions that made Commander Shepard's story possible. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt on base. If you'd like to leave a five star rating with a, a review with some words on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. Also, you can drop us a five star rating on Spotify if you listen on there. Both of those things help a ton. All right, Sam, you ready to get into the rest of the details about everything we know? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so we are going to tell you exactly everything we know about the next Mass Effect game, which might be Mass Effect 4, including all the stuff that has been confirmed or changed due to the N7 Day reveals this year, this is basically confirmation on everything. So there's a lot of speculation out there, Sam. What do we know is absolutely safe and concrete? There is a ton of speculation out there. I'm very, very tuned into Mass Effect social media, but I think it's safe to say more than safe to say this appears. It will be a sequel, not a prequel, not an interquel. And, you know, I am here from a lot of people. Why? Why do you think that it's come? You know, it looks like it's going to combine Mass Effect Andromeda with the Milky Way, maybe. I don't think so. And it all comes down to the timeline. 
What do we know about the timeline? In the In 7 Day video and image that was released by BioWare this year, it has a date, 11 underscore 7 underscore 90. Of course, that's November 7th, but the interesting part here is the year. Why did they leave out the first two digits? They want us to speculate. But we can most certainly rule out that that year is not 2090. It's also not 1990, although Nirvana and Mass Effect would be pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they didn't quite hit big yet until like 91. But yeah, <laughs> the the, uh, the early fans would be like, I, I was I saw their I saw them at a concert in Seattle back in 1990. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's what we're getting. Birth here, of grunge in Mass Effect. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, grunge comes so back a few centuries from now. <laughs> <laughs> it's cyclical. Um, so, so 2090, no, I don't think so. This is important because it virtually rules out the game will take place before Mass Effect 1. So for everyone uh, who is holding out hope for a first Contact War game, I don't think so. Maybe some flashbacks in the next one, but largely I don't think so. By 2090, humanity hadn't even discovered Mass Effect physics yet. So no FT travel, no discovery on Mars. There was none of that. Mass Humanity was not part of the galactic conversation when it came to, uh, you know, geopolitical affairs. Mm -hmm. uh, so 2190, 2290, hell, 2890. Maybe my guess is 2190 because Mass Effect Andromeda began in 2185. That's when the arcs set sail. Of course, it took them 600 some years to actually reach Andromeda. Yeah. But that technology was still from 2185 at the latest Milky Way technology. So 2190 makes sense because it's in the reconstruction period after the original trilogy, that being four years after Mass Effect 3. And regardless of the ending that you picked, this is so this is the interesting thing to me because there's so much debate of, oh, they're not going to canonize an ending. How could they canonize an ending? Or if they are canonizing an ending, it better be mine. Well, regardless <laughs> of that ending that you picked, you're either going to have dead Reapers or you're going to have Reapers who are around and co cooperative. So either way, you can reverse engineer those relays that were destroyed, making building a new relay entirely plausible. They built the crucible in like four to six weeks and that had yeah. never been done before. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have the know-how, the, the ability, the, the, and, and more, more importantly, the drive to do it and the need to be able to get out across the galaxy again. Was that a pun? Was it an intentional pun? Drive, FTL drive, Mass Effect it, it wasn't, drive. Core. It wasn't, but I'll take I'll take credit anyway. We'll we'll roll with it. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the other thing is, yes, like you said, there's no impending doom. So it seems kind of plausible that people would be able to work faster without the constant threat of genocide lingering over their head. So there's that. We know that, I think, about the timeline. It's safe to say not a prequel, not an interquel. I was terrified that it was going to take place at Mass Effect two and a half, maybe, you know, the two two years where Shepard's dead. Yeah, I but don't think, I don't gonna think do that's that. going to happen. No, no. Now, the year is clearly ending in nine zero. Don't know what that year is. And the technology that appears to be in this in seven day artwork looks way too similar to what we saw in the original trilogy for me to even speculate that technology has stagnated for 600 years and that this is actually in 2890 come on no no i don't think so no. i don't think they'll do that okay so next point something we definitely definitely know even more than that this part has been confirmed by bioware it's single player it's not mm -hmm. multiplayer there may be a multiplayer game mode but the primary aspect of this game is single player and like you said before this makes sense because they're leaning into what worked 
what what right. fans loved about this series. Right. Most people played the single player. Some people did the multiplayer. So give them a single player and then maybe tack it on later in a DLC or maybe make a whole other game that's very only focused on multiplayer. But yeah, they absolutely are doing what they know is going to sell because it's a yeah, business. Mass Effect inverse of Call of Duty. Most people buy Call of Duty to play multiplayer. Most people buy Mass Effect to play the single player story. That's just the way it is. Right. And so this part is confirmed they said we're excited to bring you the next single player mass effect game so everyone who was worried that mass effect the next one could be like fallout 76 or no man's sky i don't think you have to worry about that kind of thing no and one of the only reasons and this is kind of a side note one of the only reasons 10 years ago they included a multiplayer component on mass effect 3 was because that was that was the trend at the time the thought was if we include multiplayer then one we get people continuing to play the game more often so they're going to buy other stuff and then two, it also makes it harder to, pi to pirate because you can't play the multiplayer with a pirate version of the game because when you log on to servers to play multiplayer, it's going to, well, you can't, I mean, you can find, you can always find workarounds, but for the most part, for the average user, it's a lot harder, harder to pirate the game. So, yes. And we also know that this next game is being developed in Unreal Engine 5. Yes. I am so psyched for that. I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff from Unreal Engine 5, of, mm -hmm. of course, from different games, but it looks fantastic. No, it's very capable. It also will cut down on development time because they don't have to focus so much on developing the, the actual engine of the game. I'm sure they'll tweak the Unreal Engine 5 in ways that they need to to do what they want to do. But that means faster development and it's a very capable engine. I think it's going to look awesome. Right. It's not going to be like Starfield where they built that engine from scratch, they said, right? Well, they yeah, they basically they took the creation engine, which is the Skyrim and Fallout engine that they've been using for years and they've continued to iterate on it. So it's like a it's like a car. So like maybe from Skyrim to Fallout, they replaced the tires and the uh, you know, gave it a new polish on the outside. Right. For Starfield, they've basically now gutted the entire thing. Like technically, there's no component that hasn't been upgraded or changed from the original engine. It is still the creation engines, creation engine two. But I mean, it's, it's Theseus' ship question. Like, how many planks of wood do you have to change before it's a completely different ship, right? Yes, and that this is not uh, part of the engine discussion for Mass Effect because it is Unreal right. Engine five. Right. And so, like you said, they're going to tweak things that are going to work better for the game. But overall brand new engine and it's not the frostbite engine that mass effect andromeda used right and i think that that engine is is to blame for a lot of the visual quirks that people did not like like the my face is tired and <laughs> right? yeah. and and the terrible animation quirks <laughs> from that game there were a lot of things to blame i think on the frostbite engine and trying to mash that in to a rpg heavy game we don't have to worry about that unreal engine 5 is the engine for this next game and it looks fantastic if you haven't seen stuff go look it up um we also know there's Mass Effect veterans coming back for the development on this series. We, you know, we've known for a while now, Mike Gamble, the project director, he's worked on previous Mass Effects. He knows what's up. He knows he has that contextual knowledge of the game series. I think we're in safe hands with him. I just learned recently from this In Seven Day blog post that Parrish Lay is now the new, uh, the, the creative director, franchise creative director. Now, if you are a Mass Effect fanatic, you might recognize this name, Parrish Lay. He's the mustachioed man who was uh, well known for being the Mass Effect 3 cinematic director. The, cinema, the cinematography in Mass Effect 3 was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. It, it made that game have such 
poignant you know impact right yeah. so i'm very encouraged by this the fact that they brought the cinematic director for mass effect 3 and now he's working on the next game can you imagine how great that's going to look on unreal engine 5 yeah or, or at the very least it's just going to feel right it's going to feel familiar it's going to feel like oh this is what mass effect feels like because it's the same guy doing the same stuff Exactly. And now he has even greater purview uh, over the entire series. And there's also some new and tenured game devs who are joining the team and they've hired a mission director from who used to work on Mass Effect Andromeda. Her name is Jess Hara Campbell. So if you liked the way and mission director is a much more gameplay oriented position, mm -hmm. if you liked the way that those missions went in terms of structure, in Mass Effect Andromeda, then I think you've got a lot to look forward to. But in terms of, you know, narrative or any of the other main gripes that I heard about Andromeda, that doesn't really fall under her uh, her direction. Right, right. All right, so what else do we know? So Liara is alive. Yep. And continues yep. to be. Yeah. Uh, she, this is like now the third, the second or third iteration of uh, teasers for the next Mass Effect in which Liara is not just alive, but we have new voice lines from Allie Hillis, who voices Liara and continues to be featured in prominent roles. Given the date, 11.790, like we talked about before, it means this game has to be 21.90 or afterwards. Otherwise, Liara is an infant by Asari standards because she was born in 2077. Yeah. So yeah, yet another... Sense indication definitely not a prequel uh and it makes sense to have liara who was the shadow broker by the end of mass effect 3 and survived no matter what ending you picked she survived it made sense in a post mass effect 3 universe why the shadow broker would be playing such a major role when there's a huge power vacuum oh absolutely like she's she's in the race too she is the power broker. Right, right, right. We talk about this <laughs> so, in, in like previously, but like if Cerberus is here with the N7 reveal and they're making a mass relay, then it's absolutely in her interest to be like, okay, what are they doing and how do I counter it? Right, and maybe the next Mass Effect you're playing as a protagonist, don't know who the protagonist is, but what if you're trying to make peace and stabilize the galaxy between all of these different warring factions that are trying to assert control over this power vacuum in the Milky Way, and who's caught in the middle of that? Liara. Maybe yeah. you're not going to be friends with Liara. Yeah maybe, maybe. yeah, maybe there's some things she's doing that are dubious now, and you're just like, okay, listen, you're, you're going to cause problems. You're going to create wars. Yeah. Right. This division that we already had seen so many times throughout the previous Mass Effects of the rest of the Milky Way galaxies resenting humanity for being too arrogant, too power hungry. Maybe this is going to come to a fruition and you're going to be caught in the middle as someone saying we disavow Cerberus, but hey, we're still legitimate. Yeah. Don't don't, don't judge the all of humanity on what those guys are doing. <laughs> And man, that seems so poignant with today's political oh, sphere. God. But <laughs> yeah, um, there's also familiar technologies and Milky Way races that have been released, not just in the video that we saw, not just in last year's in seven day, but some artwork that has been released by the uh, Bioware Mass Effect team. And one of those that I want to bring up is this artwork that was tweeted out by Mike Gamble and we can see here a number of things. We can see sky cars. The sky cars look exactly the same as the original trilogy, indicating that I don't think too much time has passed since the original trilogy's end. Because clearly, I think sky cars, primary modes of transportation, once you're in a hub, those would probably get some, sub some substantial technological upgrades if you were passing 100, 200, 300 years, right? Yeah. So yeah. they would look different, but these look identical. We also see 
a Turian here in the foreground. And if you zoom in there, it looks like the Turian is wearing a breathing apparatus. You can see a blue uh, electronic light and a pipe or, or some type of tubing coming from his back and onto his front. And it, it definitely looks like a breathing apparatus there. So Turian, familiar Milky Way race going to be you know, appearing in the next one. If you zoom in a little bit more in the background, we see what looks to be a Solarian also wearing a breathing apparatus and a Krogan facing away from the camera with a tube coming from his back to his front. So perhaps uh, you know, environmental hazards are going to be a matter in the next Mass Effect. We don't know exactly where this artwork has taken place, but we do see some newer looking technology with some spires and what, what would appear to be maybe uh, you know, mass, mass Effect technology powered space elevators. The beams ex extending upward, they look exactly like the beam at the end of Mass Effect 3 when Shepard's rushing toward the beam to be, you know, beamed up to the Citadel. So, in a post-Mass Effect 3 world, I think the races would probably look at that technology and say, hey, we have instantaneous space elevators. <laughs> we should use those. Yeah, that seems handy as well. Quite possible. And, yeah. uh, you know, it ha it, this planet looks very Omega-esque with the exception of some smooth uh, Asari-looking architecture. Uh, however... You know, there are apparently uh, hazardous conditions that are requiring multiple races to use breathing apparatuses. So I'm not sure uh, where the where, where the setting is there. Second piece of artwork. We discovered this. It looks like a generic promo favorite store in the Citadel. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's in the in seven day blog. But if you zoom in a little bit, you see the Citadel, clearly the Citadel and the Citadel arms extending toward the viewer. However, there's no Presidium Tower. There's no there's no council chambers right in the middle of that center presidium ring. That makes sense in a post Mass Effect 3 world or galaxy rather because the crucible would have annihilated that when it sent off its final blast, right? So mm -hmm. no presidium tower. And for you know tens and tens of thousands of years for as long as we know before Mass Effect 3, Citadel Tower was always there. Uh, so not quite sure what happened to it, but it's not there in that image. And there also appears to be a moon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, just looking at it, it appears like maybe there's a planet in the fuzzy looking background and then there's a moon up closer. Is that, is that what yeah. you gather too? Yeah, that's exactly what I gather. You can't really tell what the planet is in the background, and I think that's intentional. But very clearly, a moon or a small orbital body, it's very small compared to the Citadel. And last we knew in Mass Effect 3, the Citadel was in orbit around which planet? Yeah. Our planet. Yeah, maybe that's Earth. Maybe that's Earth in the <laughs> maybe moon. Maybe that's Earth. Yeah. And maybe that's Luna. So I'm not sure, but very sneaky of them to, sn to put that in there in what would appear to be nothing more than a link to the Bioware store. Uh, so very interesting there. I think it's, I think, you know, this is my, we're getting away from, from concrete. This is my speculation. But I think there's an ample amount of evidence to suggest that this is, I'm not sure how long after the original trilogy, but it is post Mass Effect 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, uh, it all seems to be adding up to that. Exactly. And, you know, we've mentioned Cerberus, Cerberus, Cerberus. I think people are probably getting bored of us mentioning Cerberus. However, <laughs> I think Cerberus or the remnants of them are likely to be a key player from what we've seen so far. You combine, you know, the Cerberus colors of this relay being constructed. You combine Liara's words in the recent trailer, you know, the, you know, human defiance and uh, the council will be furious. Of course, council will be furious about Cerberus because yeah. Cerberus 
is not exactly uh, friendly to anyone except for humans. And even then, <laughs> and uh, even then they do some terrible things. And, you know, I just finished my most recent playthrough on N7 Day. I forgot that the elusive man says there at the very end in your last interaction with him, you can kill me, but you'll never kill Cerberus because it's an idea. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Ideas live on like viruses. Yeah, you can't kill an idea. And I think um, <laughs> I think the U.S. military discovered that in the 20 years they were in Afghanistan. You yeah, yeah. You can't kill yeah. extremism as an idea. Um, you can't it's pervasive and sometimes your own presence there uh, uh, is the reason that it's continuing but that's a different topic for another day because <laughs> we're talking about power vacuums ironically rele relevant but power vacuums and post-war distrust of aliens mm -hmm. can you imagine how that would skyrocket after the reapers invaded oh yeah oh yeah it doesn't matter how many of the aliens were helpful oh my god aliens landed on our planet and tried to destroy us aliens are bad aliens are bad that's going to be the natural reaction right and this is the first alien invasion of earth ever yeah yeah so and not just that but it's an incredibly destructive i would venture to guess that most of humanity was killed right right and so th that gives the context or the, 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 the pretense that's, that an extremist organization like Cerberus would need in order to boost recruitment efforts. Absolutely, absolutely. And they would, they would expand that to all sorts of other things that don't even apply and probably create misinformation. If it wasn't for all these other alien races, then we wouldn't have to deal with the Reapers to begin with. And it's like, well, that's exactly. not true, but they would use our, that. Our own human shepherd had told them for years that the Reapers were coming and they didn't listen. So we don't trust them anymore. And, you know, right. maybe the other reason the other aliens wanted humanity be, to be taken down a peg. Right. Why Here's do you a, think why do you think our Earth got attacked in the beginning of the conflict instead of towards the end? Well, you know, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Here's a here's an out of context soundbite from the Asari counselor saying that, you know, humans were too power hungry. Right. Right. It, the, the list goes on. And I think you combine this with the new narrative director, Mary DeMarley's involvement in her past with Deus Ex. And it seems on brand that a futuristic extremist militant corporation would be a big player. Right. Absolutely. No, it totally makes sense. And it, and it resonates again. Like these games we've talked about this before on previous episodes they were predictive in some ways like socially like culturally and to plug into things that are still true and actually happening in our own society but doing that in a fantasy sci-fi kind of setting it's part and, of the course you know, for, 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 for all the <clears throat> You, I think that you kept up with Star Trek. I'm not sure if you were a huge Star Trek fan, but <laughs> eh, not not great. But you were aware of the cultural zeitgeist that it sure. had. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm so sick of people saying sci-fi. Why, why is sci-fi becoming woke? Sci-fi has always been woke. Sci-fi and fantasy have both always been woke. Like absolutely. Like like Star Trek in the 70s, having a multi like di diverse cast from different races and cultures and genders doing all sorts of important things and being badasses on their own. That was, that was a 60s, 70s thing. Like, yeah. Okay. So they were woke back then, you know, or, or maybe they just right. happened to be, you know, real about humans being awesome, regardless of where you come from. Yeah. Right. And, 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 the, and how that ties into mass effect, I see it entirely plausible that Matt, that the next mass effect is going to, it, with different names and different people in fictional places, in fictional settings, bringing up very real themes that are affecting us today. 
Those yeah. being misinformation, supremacist groups, you name it. And who falls into that category more than Cerberus? Absolutely. No, it, it totally makes sense. And that will resonate. That will actually help the series do better because it's it feels real. It ad addresses real things. It, it, it just works. You don't have to reinvent the way people interact and society functions. We're seeing it play out. That's why that's why the show references things that happen in the history and how they correlate with things happening in the game. Yeah. That's how you make a, a fictional world feel real is you take real situations, real themes and you put it in the fictional world. You don't just try to invent something out of nowhere. You don't need to. Exactly. And if there was a game, if there was a sci-fi game with no social commentary on what we're going in going through in our real life, it would likely feel too alien ironically right right or yeah or or not real it would just not feel real at all like imagine not having a power vacuum and not having extremist groups do things it would be like why don't they have that wouldn't that be a thing it would no, it, it would feel too utopic it would feel yeah too utopic and it would not feel plausible at all the the backlash you'd get from people later on would be why why are the writers so bad <laughs> right yeah, well, we heard that once before uh, with Mass Effect Andromeda. But, you know, looking back on the past and two Christmases ago when we got that first official teaser trailer and actually it was the subject matter for which we did our first episode of the lore cast. Mm -hmm. I think we can look back on that with a lot more clarity now because the big question we had back then was, is Shepard alive? And I think the big question we have now looking back on that and knowing what we know now is how much of that original te teaser trailer was actually uh, copacetic because the game is still in pre-production right now. Yes. Back then, I don't think it was even in pre-production. I'd be surprised if they had even had a one-pager on what they want the story to be. So back then, now looking back at it, I don't think that we can deduce a lot from that original teaser trailer, you know, the one with Liara picking up the N7 uh, helmet plate from the snow and dusting it off. I think they were just summoning images that were familiar to the players. They were kind of saying, oh, you remember this? You remember this? and hyping up the series before Mass Effect Legendary Edition dropped just to let everyone know we are aware of what you loved about the series. We know that you love it and you've got more stuff that you love coming. Right, right. Yeah, all, all it would take is them saying, when does it take place? Is what, Who is still alive? And what is meaningful to bring up in a trailer? And then you make the trailer. That's it. They don't need to have right. it all and fleshed out yet. And they didn't, they didn't even have all of those details fleshed out. So, and they didn't need to. And I think that they've been tiptoeing a very fine line. Uh, and I think that their, their marketing team, God, I don't envy their marketing team because they have to make sure that they're not getting ahead of the development team. Yeah. Like we saw in cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a balance there. It, yes. Yeah. But that is virtually everything that we know so far about the next Mass Effect and what has changed uh, in, in the in the time since in seven day now six days since we're recording this. And I got to say, I am very excited for the next Mass Effect. I don't care if Shepard is the next protagonist. We did mention the in seven uh, reflection in the glass. I'm going to say it again. It doesn't necessarily mean that Shepard is going to be back, but I think it does mean that they're telling us in seven, the in seven operatives are going to have a role to play. Yeah. Uh, again, it just totally makes sense. Like, why wouldn't they? <laughs> if, if there's humans yeah. involved, they're going to be involved um, as long as they still exist, which seems like they do. So, yeah, that's what we got. So I hope you guys are excited about all, all of this as much as we are. We'd love to have your perspectives. If we missed anything, if there's any feelings or 
assumptions you have that you want to share, please reach out and join us on the discord or send us some messages on Twitter or wherever, or hang or out, drop and, a comment, drop a comment or hang on one of our live streams and just come, come let us know. Sam, you got anything going on you want to share? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, on In 7 Day, I did finish my most recent, my first Fimshep playthrough, but I'm not anywhere close to done streaming Mass Effect. If you want to see my new playthrough that I'm going to do, still considering playing Andromeda, then follow me on Twitter at In7Legend, or if you'd like to just interact with me directly, you can find me on the Discord or on Twitter, as long as that's going to be up, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> at In7Legend <laughs> as well. So I'm going to buy that's three what verification check marks. I'm just putting just list of three of them on there. <laughs> um, so you can join me on my live streams. That's where we stream this show on Fridays, usually at 5 p.m. Eastern. Things are getting really a little moved around lately with all the hype and stuff. We've been knocking out some episodes uh, ahead of time. Uh, but join me on there. Uh, Twitch.tv slash robots radio. My show and my, my other shows <laughs> and all the words don't make sense. All the other shows on the network at, over at robotsradio.net. And we will see you guys again very soon patrons let us know if you can join us on monday the 28th and until next time stay safe out there it's a crazy galaxy with a big power struggle happening see you next time thanks for tuning into the mass effect Lorecast. we'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of mass effect reach out to us on twitter at mass effect cast or check out the robots radio discord also, you can send us an email at masseffectlorecast at gmail.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.